Welcome along to episode 765 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we'll be hearing from Chris Gaggs all about the video game Redwall, based on the series of books. Rob Lane lets us know about the latest goings on with Improv Walls. We'll be having a catch-up with Jazzy P. Pauline Bennett, all about her charity work. Kelly Jeffs, programme manager of the Wolverhampton City of Youth Culture, lets us know what's going on there. Alice Beer is along, being not only a consumer expert, but also advising us how we can make a brilliant set load of savings if we're using our loyalty points. And we'll be talking about the Smiley Charity Film Awards as we catch up with Simon Burton about the whole event and have a chat with two of the stars of one of the films that's up for an award. That's Alison and Frank from Penny Wolverhampton. That's all on the way on the show this week. Welcome to the Milk Bar. Welcome to the Milk Bar Welcome to the Milk Bar Welcome to the Milk Bar uh, Welcome to the Milk Bar uh. Pauline Bennett is involved in many a project and loves to raise funds for charity. There are two events she's got which are doing exactly that at the moment. She's just here to tell me about both. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Jason. How's yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Long time no see. We just haven't had a chance to catch up for a while, have we? Oh, I know, I know. Been a bit, bit, bit on a bit busy side anyway, and I know you have. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, but uh, it keeps us both out of trouble, which is what counts. Now, when it comes to it, you've got to say two events, the first of which is uh, very much lingerie involved. <laughs> well, most of them usually are, to be fair. <laughs> um, for the last um, 18 months or so, I've been collecting bras for Against Breast Cancer. And um, I've collected so far around about 1,500. Wow, that's and good going. What I'm trying to do is every event um, that I get involved with, I try and slide and bra collection in there. Um, <laughs> just makes it just a little bit different. And um, out of that, funny enough, um, as, as, as regards to what I'm up to, um, I've just been made event manager at a venue. So um, that works. I've got a place now so I can, you know, get people to bring bras on a regular basis, which will be good. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing with these bras after they've been delivered to you for charity? Right. What I have to do um, is against breast cancer, they call them ABC for short. Um, they will pick up your bras um, if you have 300. But what I try and do is collect at least eight to a thousand because that way then reduces the carbon footprint. They can come and pick them up and they only have to make one journey. So I have bra banks around Wolverhampton. And I go around and pick them up, have a little chin wag with whoever's got them, um, mm -hmm. bring them back. I have to put them in a box, print off the label, and then um, I just basically contact them. They come and pick them up. And and then I take it these are what they're used for charitable purposes. How does it yeah. work? They're sorted out, um, and the ones that can be resold are set in one set, and they're sent to um, third world countries where women have created their own businesses out of it. Mm -hmm. um, out of recycling um, they don't get put in landfill which is really good and 700 pounds is raised for every ton of bras so ABC distributed in lots of different ways even down to the fasteners they'll go to like a metal works mm -hmm. rather than bunged you know in a, in a landfill yeah, so um, it's either reused or recycled and the important thing is it's making a difference it is most definitely because um, a lot of the money is used towards um, research into secondary breast cancer mm -hmm. uh, you know so that's and that's there's not a lot of money reserved for that, really. It's, you know, everybody finds out wherever they are at that time. And it's always about treatment rather than research. So, you know, it'll be good. It'll be good that that can help that too. Absolutely. Um, in order to help that, what I'm doing is um, I've got a Mother's Day brunch and afternoon tea. I did afternoon tea last year. It went fairly well, but um, 
I'd like to have all this time. So I thought this time I'm going to get me some caterers and we're going to have a proper, proper afternoon tea and a proper brunch. So um, I'm holding that at um, Expressions House on Southern Avenue, just off Bilston Road. And um, that's going to be on Mother's Day. So if you haven't got anything done yet for Mother's Day, you need to come contact me and make sure that um, you get yourself a ticket and come along. We're going to be doing line dancing, karaoke. Um, all the songs are going to be mother, mother songs. So they're all going to be songs with, tri with tributes to them in the background. Mm -hmm. And uh, we should have a pretty good time. Sounds absolutely excellent. So uh, for that event, then give us all the details. How do people get hold of tickets for that? Um, the quickest route would be, because my Instagram's like the shortest on earth. It's just <laughs> Jazzy P M M S. So if they go along to there, there'll be a there'll be a, a, a link there where they can just click the link and it'll take them straight to the booking form, the info. Um, you know, if, if somebody can't pay straight away, we've got, you know, deposits, they can put a deposit down on their table. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy enough to contact. So if you just go to J-A-Z-Z-I-P-M-M-S, if you're on Instagram, and you'll find it there. Otherwise, just give a search for me because you'll find I'm all over the gaff, me. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, you search for you, you find out all the other things that you've done as well as all this good stuff that you got going on now because you are somewhat, uh, you know, renowned within not only the music industry but the world of dance. So there is an awful lot of uh, your world on the socials, which is absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, what else have you got going on there? Because oh, you're still teaching dance, aren't you? Oh yes, most definitely. I, I couldn't, I couldn't not teach dance. Well, actually, what I'm going to be doing in June is I'm holding um, a celebration and bridal fair. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to be training my little girls to be modelling because we're doing a fashion show. Yeah. Um, with African bridal wear and traditional bridal wear as well. So um, that's going to be lots of fun. So if there are any vendors that want to buy um, a stall, just then they need to contact me. But it's going to, it's going to be a really good event because. Um, we're going to have, yet again, I do like a bit of line dancing. Um, <laughs> I do. I just want to give a quick shout out to my ladies at Complexions because I teach an over 70s group as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, because obviously I'm, I'm going to be 70 in 10 years time. So I need to know. We, we don't believe you. <laughs> Got to be at least three decades before you get to 70. Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish, Jace. I really do. Um, but yeah, so I, I you know, it's, I, I love doing line dancing. So that's one of the other things I'm going to be doing sort of for my events. I'm going to be doing line dancing classes and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, until the day I drop, like my old dance teacher, Miss um, Hildreth, um, I used to go to the Hildreth School of Dance in um, St. Jude's Road. Mm -hmm. And she was my ballet teacher. And she died at 88 and she was still dancing then. That's the way to do it. Keep going. It keeps you young, doesn't it? Which I think makes a difference. She is my beacon. She's <laughs> the one that's my guiding light. It's like, if I can get to 88 and still be teaching a ballet class, I will be the happiest woman in the world. Yeah, and you'll have some amazing pupils who will love every minute of it too, I'm absolutely sure. So Jazzy P M M S on Insta is the easiest way of getting hold of this young lady. You can get all the details of where you need to go if you want to donate bras. You can find out more about the wonderful Mother's Day event taking place just off that Bilston Road. Uh, and you can also get in touch if you want to learn a bit of dancing too. It's, it's the, 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 the Insta with it all. I've actually got another one because I've got, um, you know, in the wake of, of, of having the Bob Marley film, mm -hmm. um, I've got um, Legends, the tribute to Bob Marley band coming as oh, well. Right. So tickets will be available next month. So um, that's that's when you're going. You must make sure you come down. Well, to see what I'm doing. I'd love to come along. It sounds like a fantastic event. So that would be well worth doing. Beautiful venue. Um, yeah. So you know, it's it's one of Wolverhampton's hidden gems. Not many people know about it, but it's a really really nice venue. So it's going to be. I'm going to be putting on some good events there. So. Right, I'm going to try and nip down and meet up with you there at some point in the not too distant future. That will Probably. work well. 
you're on the guest list. Thank you. <laughs> well, for now, Pauline Bennett, Jazzy P, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jason. It's been lovely. Improv Walls are once more back in action, making people laugh. Who knows what they're going to do? They don't yet. However, they know where they're going to do it. Rob Lane joins me now to tell you more about what is happening. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. How are you? I'm all right. I hope we're finding you well and keeping busy. Yeah, we're all good. Thank you. Not too bad. Good stuff. Now, I know one of the events you have coming up is a bit of a charity do, but what else is going on as well? Yes. Yeah, so this uh, weekend coming up as I'm talking to you on Saturday, the 20, is it the 24th of March? Yeah, we are um, in Shifnal near Wolverhampton for Diabetes UK, raising money for uh, that charity for our friends, mutual friends, Zoe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on into March, we've got a couple of shows with Black Country Touring, who you probably have come across as well. I'm aware of their work. Yeah. Yeah. Shows in, in, in sort of uh, community settings across the black country and we've got a show for them on saturday the 2nd of march at west bromage central library and then on friday the 15th of march in wensbury at wensbury library so get me out and about all places which are nicely accessible from wherever people listening to this are sitting in the main part i believe uh that means though that uh, they all get to have a good giggle but they can go to all three shows and not see the same thing twice yeah, that's that's very true. I can't tell you what will be happening in the show particularly because, as you said, it's it's different every time we make it up. It's a short form improv game format, um, led a lot of the time by what the audience give us. So every show can be very different because obviously the audiences are different. Um, and though we might play some of the same games or have some of the same um, setups to get us going, the actual content will vary very much depending on who's in the room. And it might be quite good for them going along to multiple events and seeing if someone comes out with a similar line and then yeah, pointing this out to them uh, as part of the fun. Yeah, you can certainly do that. And then <laughs> also the cast changes a little bit as well. So mm-hmm. um, the Improv Wolves, so we've been going about about a year and a half probably, I guess, as Improv Wolves. And we kind of have a rotating cast. There's about six or seven of us on the books and a show we usually have three or four of us. So when you come to a couple of shows, apart from the content being different, you'll see some different performers as well. And each performer is um, brilliant in their own ways, but very different styles as well. So that keeps things interesting. And you've got so many different backgrounds too. I mean, you've got improvised comedy, improvised lineup, and often uh, some some improvised skills too. Uh, Obviously, I know you from the world of music too. Uh, This sneaks in every once in a while, doesn't it? I'm sure. Yeah, uh, but the way it says it on our kind of um, blurb is you you might have the dubious pleasure of being present for the birth of an improvised song. <laughs> so there's a couple of the games that we do that require performers to improvise music. I'll usually be there with a the guitar, um, and, and yeah, we'll we'll make stuff up on the spot. And again, that's a everyone's got a very different style in the way that they do that, so that can be very interesting. Uh, yeah, and uh, the ability to uh, create lyrics from nowhere, uh, potentially ones that might even rhyme, uh, is slightly uh, yeah, a scary concept of experience. The whole show can be scary, really. I mean, one of the <laughs> things that people who've never done improv or never watched it will say is like, oh, that must be terrifying to do. And it, it kind of is in a way. But then on the other hand, once you've done it, it's a really useful thing for life, I find, because even if things go wrong, the worst that happens is that it goes wrong generally no one's died in one of our shows yet so you you can literally say no one's going to die um i can't promise of course because i don't exactly know what's going to happen um but it's sort of but it's been really useful for me in life anyway generally when i'm a bit nervous about a situation i'm not sure what's going to happen it's like well it'll just be like that time in so and so when we all completely 
died and weren't funny, but we got past it and moved on. It'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> not it's that a, ever happens at our shows, of course. No, no, I just say it's not something I would expect to be fair, and nothing I've ever had reports of. Uh, but it, 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 if, the, if a joke doesn't work, it's obviously the audience's fault, uh, anyway. So, uh, that's that's the yeah, the audience have got to remember they've got to play their part and laugh at the right, the right point in the script that isn't Especially existing. When they're giving us- Giving us the suggestions. I mean, bad workmen and his tools and all that stuff. But if the stuff they're giving it, no, whatever <laughs> we're giving. I mean, obviously the show is funny, but also we have these great moments sometimes where it, it's not all about being being funny. We want to make characters really, and we want to make interesting stories as much as possible. So some of my favourite moments in shows actually are when quite unexpectedly we have a little bit of uh, pathos or or something quite interesting happening in terms of the show, and then a big gag, obviously, straight away afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Magical moments, wonderful comedy, uh, often in a good cause, certainly uh, to cheer the hearts of those who are there, and uh, obviously on the socials so people can find you. That's right, yeah. Our website um, is improvwallscomedy.substack.com. So it's sort that's, of a... that's snappy. Yeah, yeah, easy to remember. But I'm sure yeah. if you just Google Improv Walls, you'll find us. Um and you can sign up to the mailing list there as well, and we send out in frequent messages about what we're doing. We're also got a, or I'm also doing a workshop this Sunday, which will be the 25th of March. It's a, mm-hmm. we got asked by a few people if we would do workshops on, on improv really, and starting how it works. So I've combined it with some of the other stuff I'm interested in, and I'm loosely calling it a workshop about improv, creativity, and failure, which is uh, <laughs> an area that. I'm quite interested in sort of a big part of improv and all creativity is being prepared prepared to fail and look silly and just moving on to the next thing so well, the, really it, it, improv that fails can just be it can be just as funny as improv that works so that's that's part of it isn't it yeah definitely i mean and i think it's kind of an ultimate creativity really because you have no idea what's going to happen it's just the combination of you and the other people on stage and the audience you'll often get to something even better than what you might have planned <laughs> Fingers crossed. Maybe. Yeah. Well, the, the the dates and everything are all available. Just Google Improv Walls or yeah. look at that, that snappy website. And uh, you, before you know it, you'll be uh, laughing, uh, potentially side-splitting laughter. Uh, certainly uh, improvised comedy is uh, is unique. And that's just like the entire team who create this stuff for Improv Walls. They're all very, very special fellas. And uh, it's going to be an absolutely brilliant time to be had by one and all. That I know from previous reports back on their work. Robert Lane, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Have a brilliant time with it all, and I'll see you soon. Thank you so much, Jason. Thanks for spreading the word, and we'll speak to you soon. Now, this is all about the kids, and there's an amazing uh, computer game which is entertaining the whole family. To tell us more about what's going on with Redwall, I'm joined now by Chris Gaggs. Good afternoon. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Well, good to talk to you. Now, tell us a bit about the story here, because this has gone from a book into the world of Netflix and is now finding itself on computers across the nation, too. That's right. So Redwall uh, it was was started as a series of books that back in the mid-'80s by a, a fella out there named Brian Jakes from Liverpool, and he wrote 22 novels that, that were a sensation across the country and across the world. And we were blessed enough to get a chance to make some video games on it, so... We've written a whole bunch of new stories, a whole bunch of new characters that come alongside the books, and it is one of the most fun projects I've ever had a chance to work on. Well, it does sound like really good stuff, and and the fact that I mean, many uh, books get turned into to films. Obviously, it's really it's a script waiting to happen, isn't it? But That's when right. you get the, the niche details in a book, and and the, when someone reads a book, they, there's bits that their own imaginations fills in. 
But when you see that come to life as part of a computer game, that must be really magical, particularly being part of the creative team behind it. That was a huge joy. And uh, this is the first time for me as a writer that I got a chance to see actors and voiceover artists really bring that to life. And, uh, and it's all the different uh, accents, all the different characters. It was so much fun to work with about 30 different voiceover uh, actors, about six different authors all together in a big project. And that is one of the good stuff about the way things work these days, because you know, it is very much about real life stuff coming together to, to form right. these worlds on a computer game. With the, with, uh, you know, the Lost Legends of, of Red Wall, the Scout Encore Edition, and now it's uh, on the PS5, Xbox Series uh, XIS. Uh, there's a PC version of the game as well. And this is all actually going to be released on the 20th of February? That's correct. So I'll be right around the corner here. Um, with the, the way this is developed as well, obviously you've got a lot of material to work with. So I, I feel an expansion pack at least coming on in the not too distant future. I sure would love that. The truth is like there's there's all the questions now with when Netflix got involved, there's a lot of uncertainty about exactly what comes next. They really got to drive the, the train. We would love the chance to do more, but we'll see how it happens. And with the, uh, the the series itself, I mean, what elements have, have you picked up on? Because when, when you're doing something like a computer game, there's obviously going to be a, a lead in this. Uh, how does the story start? So in our case, we set our game about six months prior to the first book in the series. And so for people who know, uh, the first book involves where Clooney the Scourge, who was a pirate rat, attacks Redwall Abbey. So we've set our game just about six months prior to that, where kind of a local group of uh, villagers... Um, have their own encounter with Clooney as he's sort of raiding into the territory and, uh, and and then have to get to Redwall Abbey in order to save a sick friend. Now, obviously, you've got to get to the point of which the first book starts then. So in very, very much, you, you know what the end has to be, but it's the challenge of getting there as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a fun thing because we get to bring in characters that you know from the book as, uh, as cameos. So you, for example, you get the chance to see Captain Snow, you get a chance to see Cheese Thief. So readers will really appreciate the cameos, but we've added our own story, our own new, new interactions with them. And uh, we really want to fill out their character space. With the, uh, the development and, and the graphics, uh, what, you know, what was you, were you using as, as inspiration here? Because they say the Netflix series is coming along. So will we see some similarities between the characters or is this purely from the sort of artwork we've seen in the books themselves? Um, a little bit of, of neither, actually. So one, we don't know what Netflix is going to look like. They haven't released anything. Um, and in the books, there were actually several different uh, illustrators who did different bits. So I don't think that there really was an established look for Redwall. So long story short, we got to start something new and set up our own feel. Um, and uh, and I think in that regard, we we created our own our own kind of language, our own sort of shape uh, shapes and colors. And I think you'll really like what you see. And obviously these things are about telling the story and, and you getting to live that experience. Uh, I mean, what's your highlight, your favorite bit of the, the way the, the whole Redwall experience has come together? All the Redwall stories um, that Brian Jakes wrote, they were such wonderful kind of modern representations of really classic virtues. So it's things like, what does self-sacrifice look like? What does courage look like? How do friends behave under, under uh, stressful situations? They're really, really good stories. Just the kind of adventure stories that make your heart sing and uh, kind of bring the best of us to life. It's, and we did more of the same. So for us, the idea of like, how do you take care of someone who's really, uh, who really needs your help is really the centerpiece of our story. And could we see this thing come full circle? Will there be a book based on the game, which is a prequel to the book series? Well, now that would be something. <laughs> no one's talked about that just yet, but I love the idea. Okay, we'll see what happens. But again, this is also a chance for, for merchandise too, and that'll be interesting to see what comes off the back of that. 
that's true. Uh, we did a lot of fun with uh, with different uh, art books and so even clothing. We we designed a whole uh, just all their costumes and everything else, and really fun stuff. So I'd love to see some cosplay. It'd be one of the first things we feel like we really got some uh, some connection at conferences and stuff like that. I'd enjoy it. Well, that uh, sounds absolutely fantastic. Give us all the details of the game and where people find it. Right. So it's the Lost Legends of Redwall, and it's the Scout Anthology. That should be live on PlayStation, Xbox, and Steam on February 20th. Right next to that is another Steam game called Feasts and Friends, which is a casual cooking game, kind of that cozy vibe, because food is such an important aspect of Redwall in the books. So combining the two, I like the fact, yeah, we, we've never had really a, a computer game that actually comes with snacks, have we? So again, exactly. this, is, this is something else special that you're doing. We've got a we got a whole bunch of recipes that we get from the books themselves, bubble and squeak and hot root uh, soup stuff like that. So we'd love to be able to bring those to life in the video game, and uh, and some of those recipes you can make in real life too. And is this a game where people will be able to sit around together and enjoy playing it? Is it are there elements that uh, you might put to the group when it, when you're actually playing? Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, in fact, we've been watching other people do just that because it's very rich in story. There's lots and lots of dialogue. And so we've been seeing people on Twitch and on YouTube who are doing the exact thing, either in the room together on couch or with their streaming friends. So if you're a content provider, I think you'll find this is really good for your audience. It's, uh, they'd love to walk, walk through it. It sounds like it's going to be real good fun and uh, something to enjoy. Come the 20th, Red Wall comes to life on a computer console near you. Chris Gags, executive producer from Soma Games. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason. I'm joined now by Kelly Jeffs, who is Programme Manager for the Wolverhampton City of Youth Culture. Loads of great things taking place across our city. To tell us more, she is here now. Hello, how are you doing? Hello, Jason. Thanks for bringing me on the show. That's great. Always good to talk to you, whichever guys we're in. And today uh, we've got some exciting projects which are really making a difference across the city as part of a big spend. Yeah, the um, New Hampton Arts Centre, which is the lead um partner on this managed to successfully source a significant amount of funding for the next three years to support the cultural offer for young people across the city so it will underpin activities um, that have already started um, and also help to create a legacy for events that have happened over the last two years mm -hmm. um, one of them being the same difference festival that happens in august um, in West Park, which is all aimed at young people, co-creation, uh, there's fringe activities with local artists and local cultural um, practitioners, but also that's just, it helps to give them a platform for showcasing music, other art forms. It's just, yeah, there's fantastic things happening. So the, the project will help to, that festival to continue for the next three years as well. Mm. Um, but on uh, all, it's a, a, a quite, quite a broad brush of activity that's going on, um, with key cultural cultural venues or organisations from Wolverhampton that do great things across Wolverhampton. So you've got the Wolverhampton Music Service, you've got New Hampton Arts Centre. Also involved is Learn Play Foundation, which is um, a creative organisation an organisation that supports young people to get into creative industries, helps to signpost them and helps with skills development. We've got the Gazebo Theatre and Education, which is a well-established theatre production group that also support young people with 
developing their soft skills, confidence, social skills, networking, as well as um, specific skills within theatre, acting, drama, production, all technical side of things. So that's a that's a great partner. Mm. Um, you've also got the cultural education partnership, which oversees the same difference festival that I talked about earlier. Um, and and the other key partner um, is the University of Wolverhampton, which is really interesting aspect of the project. They're helping us with the evaluation process for the project. Yeah. Um, and then I can talk a little bit more further down the line about some opportunities that have come up within this project. Yeah, because I mean, the project itself is obviously bringing together a large number of different resources and making it accessible. And whilst, yes, we're not expecting every uh, person between the ages of 16 and 25 in our city to suddenly go off and work in the arts, uh, actually what happens is it gives them a taste not only to enjoy the arts themselves, but also, as you mentioned in there, a bit of a confidence booster as well. And yes, there will be a percentage of people who will absolutely shine from certain areas of this and maybe then direct themselves off through to different courses and bigger projects. So that is all yeah absolutely a win to start off with but as, as we both know yeah a grounding in being able to have a conversation and speak to people in public is absolutely huge whatever it is you do in life everything from you know somebody who is you know, a diligent checkout operator in, in asda and i think we've been there uh yes. to uh to to, to 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 working you know in something which might be you know, front of house house for a, a, a theater venue you're working in the arts, but it may not be an, an artistic role that you take. Exactly. There's such a the scope for employment opportunities and for uh, meaningful work. That's what, what I always am very passionate about, is creating meaningful work for, for young people to feel that they can belong and, and input in a way that's, um, that brings in other cultural uh, cultural. Um, you know ideas and and experiences um right through you know from diverse communities but also just inclusivity i mean these are all buzzwords that everybody's using but the arts and the cultural sector is you know that's its thing that's what it's there for mm -hmm. is to open up and widen people's horizons yeah, there um, should be no barriers. That's the important part. Exactly. And, and whether someone's going to go and work in a boardroom but has to present to a you know, hundred investors, uh, or whether they're actually doing something which is, yeah, you know, it, it might be running a kids' workshop in West Park. You know, whatever yeah. it is, they're all equally valid roles, and they're all equally requiring some sort of grounding and understanding of the world of the arts. Exactly. Um, for example, we've already had the projects already had them. Um, one delivered one big project, uh, well, one activity event, which was a couple of weeks ago, um, which was led by the music service and involved the, the um, Wolverhampton Symphony Orchestra. It involved the um, the all the schools in Wolverhampton, um, senior school, secondary schools. I think there were year sevens and eights. It might have been year eights. Forgive me for not knowing that fact. But they all went to the halls, which is the new reopened Civic Halls, mm -hmm. fantastic world-class venue that's been redeveloped. And they all experienced an hour of classical orchestrated music, which ranged, they, they were subjected to nine pieces of music that ranged from Beethoven right through to um, 
uh, a piece from How to Train Your Dragon. So, <laughs> and the this the atmosphere was electric. They were absolutely blown away by this experience. Obviously, they were they were in a venue where they may not have been. In a, in a concert venue before some of those children some of those children have probably never been to get to a orchestra setup and obviously the quality of it was very very um very good a uh, good quality presentation they're seeing all the lighting and the quality of the the the, the music what an experience so a hand even if it's just a handful of those kids might think Oh, I, I fancy playing a violin, or I might try. You know, that, you know. It was just, it wasn't just them experiencing the, the concert. It was, it was led by um, a sort of a, a, a person, a, a woman, who is a composer and animate animator, and she she gave that sort of bit of an education as well. Mm-hmm. So even though it sound, it might sound dry to some people, it wasn't. She took. She talked about crescendo and all these technical terms. The kids were really, they were proper sponges. Mm-hmm. They were loving it. How yeah, exciting was that? I think we forget the fact that whatever type of music it is, it makes everything. If we've only we had a musical soundtrack to our own lives, we'd probably all feel a hell of a lot better about it, or at least know what was coming <laughs> around the corner. Because in yeah. a drama. If it's the music which really does make it, and you don't watch a drama without music, not even on in theatre, is there a, you know, many dramas where they don't have some sort of incidental music in some way. And yeah, the fact that it's classical music that's running alongside How to Train Your Dragon really reminds you it's you know whatever it is, the yeah, it's not stuffy, it's not old fashioned, it's part of yeah day to day telling a story, and it's 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 we all have our own stories to tell, and and the arts play a, a big part in that. And what projects have you got on the way that you know, that yeah. are now sort of accepting people? Well, there'll be basically this this just in terms of other events. I mentioned the same difference festival that will happen in August at West Park, and that will be a, a Saturday, um, daytime, and it's open to everybody, you know, young people especially um but in terms of specific things that we've, we've just put a call out for um which is hot off the press the project um has called the calling for a freelance visual arts trail producer so basically there, there will be um a project sort of co-created with young people mm-hmm. as part of the process to create individual works that will be sort of um, exhibited throughout the city centre, you know, but it's to help also with city kind of um, perception. Um, so the public realm will take ownership of these pieces of work that will be created by the, with the visual producer, um, overseeing it, but co-created with young people. So that call's just gone out. So if people are interested, who have got experience of being an arts producer, they go to the New Hampton Arts Centre website um, on the opportunities page. All the details are on there um, to uh, apply, um, you know, and, and direct direct everything to me um, and I'll be shortlisting later this month. Um, and the other opportunity, which is more to do with the evaluation process of the project linking to the university, uh, we've put a call out for what we call peer researchers um and the that opportunity is is really to help the project 
sort of um, I suppose it's it's sort of helping people to realize how important the project is uh, but they'll, they'll also get a bit of training they'll get some um they'll get a fair payment that think that what time they can commit to these research projects and also they'll get travel expenses but it's almost like getting those people to help us as a project understand the project impact mm-hmm. Um, so they'll get an opportunity to meet new people, engage with the community, engage with um, the, the actual arts and activities that will happen within the project. Um, and that you'll expand their skills um, and help to, I suppose, the key thing really is to help amplify their own voices within the community. So that maybe that we get people that are interested, that have got lived experiences, um, you know, that they may have... They may have arts background, but it may maybe that they just want to see something within their community in a in a way and, ch- and able to share it a bit louder with it. Okay, so, so the details wait, of that are on the website as well for New Hampton yeah. Arts Centre. So it is exactly okay. So make your way to the New Hampton Arts Centre, look mm. for the project, and uh, really work out uh, how you might be able to be involved. And this is open to you know a, a wide range of age groups, isn't it? I mean, the youth is the centre of this, but you know the trainers yeah. we're expecting people to have some sort of uh, experience anyway. They may well be in their twenties, thirties, forties, or beyond. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the peer researchers obviously. It, it, Great to have a, a breadth of age ranges involved, um, but also it's that kind of way for us to integrate intergenerational, you know, um, experiences as well. So yeah. it crosses across, across everything. But I suppose the other um, the other two things which are important part of this project are the routes to sort of pathways. For people, young people to get more in, uh, involved in um, skills development. Um, with, for example, with gazebo theatre and education, and you can go onto the gazebo website and their their call for the short taster courses that they'll be running through as part of this project. All the details are on the gazebo website. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the same for Learn Play Foundation. They're putting um, opportunities on the young people to. Um, develop uh, digital skills um, within within the project. So again, it's it's a, such a crop, you know, a, a breath of fresh air for getting young people involved and getting them to tell us what what they want rather than us describing to what you know what they should be doing. Because yeah. you know they're the future. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it's a mixture of both. Guide them to what they can have, but equally find out what they want and, and see how it fits in with that. Exactly, yeah. So it's an exciting project and also great because it's a three-year project. There's a bit of longevity there that we can evolve the project and, and also maybe learn from it due, you know, in the interim of delivering the project mm-hmm. to enhance and improve down the line. Well, it sounds like amazing work that's been done. Give us the details again on where we go to for all of the, so the headlines. Yeah, so for the two opportunities I talked about in terms of the uh, recruitment process their details are on the new hampton arts uh, website so that's newhamptonarts.co.uk and um yeah and, and the if you follow the project on social media facebook twitter and linkedin it's got quite a lot of information on there on a regular basis and local like the voluntary sector 
are putting the put details on their newsletter. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of channels to be access mm -hmm. this information. Uh, and what and what at are we looking for on the socials? It's at New Hampton Art Centre in terms of the socials, and then the, they'll be um, the sort of the platform for this information. But other than that, people can email me Kelly at newhamptonart.co.uk. So get in touch. Find out how you can be part of it, whatever age range you're in. Obviously, those are the uh, the things that have been recruited for, and uh, it's going to be uh, another great showcase of talent in our city, which is absolutely amazing. Kelly Jeffs, always love to speak to you. Thank you for joining us, and keep up the good work. Thanks, Jason. The Smiley Charity Film Awards are back for 2024 and they are once again highlighting the work being done by a load of charities across the UK. Alzheimer's Research UK have entered a film and that features a Wolverhampton couple, Alison and Frank Littleton. They are telling their story after Frank's Alzheimer's diagnosis and the subsequent consequences for their way in which their lives have changed. However, there is a lot of stories on there and loads of absolutely amazing people to meet through these awards one of those people who are behind the awards itself is co-founder simon burton good afternoon good afternoon jason now when it comes down to these film awards obviously it's making a huge difference and being able to share what's going on in a number of charities across the uk and it, it it's amazing that you're part of it and it, it really is a, a very special organization i think one of the powerful things about charity film awards as a concept and the way in which it works is that it allows stories of ordinary people who are facing facing huge challenges or facing adversity. It allows those stories to be shared. So one, it gives those people a voice. And two, it allows us collectively as a society to talk about that issue and stop it being hidden and uh, seen as something to be embarrassed or afraid of. The more we get these things out in the open, the more we share stories of adversity, the more we can see the positivity and optimism that's possible. Yeah, and then through the film awards that you have here, obviously this is making a huge difference. Now, it's not just the Alzheimer's research who will be part of this, but uh, it, it is uh, about the communication side of things. And, I mean, film has been a powerful medium for more than a century now. And you know, to actually you know, having moving images and engaging with somebody in that way, it really does bring to life uh, you know, a story that's being told or, uh, in this case, the, the plight of a family who are uh, in many ways facing adversity yet still you know, keeping their spirit alive that's absolutely correct one of the things that people said to me when we first came up with the idea for charity film awards seven years ago was that it would be some kind of tear fest that that it would it would all be kind of poverty porn and it would it, it just would be so unrelentingly bleak that no one would want to engage in it and the opposite is true these are stories of amazing individuals and organisations doing amazing things, making the world a better place. And it, it is my privilege to be part of the team that shares those stories. If you think to your point about film, nothing has the power to move us like film. It, it, it can engage our hearts and open our minds and just change our behaviour in such incredible ways. 500 charities entered the Charity Film Awards this year. 
and on average they will have doubled the number of views of the film so if they if they had a thousand views on youtube when they entered the awards they'll have two thousand by the end of the campaign if they had a hundred thousand they'll have two hundred thousand in total we will add several hundred million views to the films that take part that's sharing stories and, and it's it's about you know the fact that people know the situations others find themselves in. It's about fundraising for those charities that are there and ensuring that more people who have these conditions are helped. And uh, you know you've got uh, a number of different people from a number of different backgrounds. We'll be hearing from uh, a couple in Wolverhampton who are telling the Alzheimer's story and and how it has affected their lives. But you've got all sorts of things like the Stroke Association. Uh, you've got uh, uh, something like a, a grow change grow live Camden and uh, there's the small groups from around the the country who are part of this and then even the, you know, the the taxi drivers for children and the work that they're doing these are all little snapshots into you know, charities and organizations unless it was for the promotion that you're offering here we may not even 